Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. When it comes to squirrels, I think there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people like my husband, Sam, who call them tree rats. They see squirrels as a nuisance, just another pest that ruins the garden. And then there are people like me, who, if given the chance, would happily post up under a tree and watch the squirrels do their thing all day. Their cute little cheeks as they work over a nut. Their busy tails that flick this way and that. I am quite fond of squirrels, but my affection for them is nothing compared to that of my KQED colleague, Angela Corral. Angela is senior editor of the California Report, and she seemed like the perfect reporter to tap. So it might have been the summer of 2020, now that I think about it. And that, of course, was COVID. So we were all home. My kids, my husband, me, my two kittens, my 90-pound dog were all home all the time. Angela was putting peanuts out to feed the crows in her neighborhood, which, by the way, we are not recommending. One day, she noticed someone else was interested in her offering. Suddenly, this little squirrel started coming around. Uh, Hi. Hold on. I went and sat on the porch with my peanuts, and she would just come right up to me. And I would toss them sort of in front of me, you know, and she would come get them without a problem. Her relationship with the little squirrel grew. And then eventually she would take it out of my hand. And I was just tickled. Hey. You're so polite. Angela even gave the squirrel a name, Carla. And in case you're wondering, it's Carla with a K. Years went by, and Carla became part of the family. My giant dog started treating Carla as if she was like one of our pets. She didn't get worked up or excited when Carla would come to the door. They would nearly sniff noses on the porch. Angela was even gifted a few squirrel-sized picnic tables that Carla would post up at. So I could sit there working and Carla could sit at her table eating peanuts. (laughs) And we we could enjoy each other's company. Now, I know you all have stories like Angela's because last year we asked what you wanted to know about squirrels. I thought we would hear from a few folks, but we got more than 50 squirrel questions about everything from how they find their nuts after they've buried them to whether one pesky squirrel in your yard is actually taunting your dog. So today on Bay Curious, it is squirrel mania. We have lots of answers to your questions just ahead. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. 
And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. Many of us have noticed the playful squirrels in our yards or neighborhoods, and we have questions about these critters. KQED's Angela Corral and I went and did some digging, har har, to find out the answers. Welcome, Angela. Hi, Olivia. Okay, so let's start with some squirrel basics. One listener named Rita Rodriguez wants to know how many different species of squirrels are in the Bay Area. And another listener, William, wants to know if any of them are native to our region. Okay, I'm going to start sort of broadly and then narrow it down because I think that'll help. Worldwide, there are basically three sort of broad types of squirrels. There's tree squirrels, ground squirrels, and flying squirrels. They're in the same family and are distant cousins of each other. I spoke to Lucia Jacobs about all this. She's been studying squirrels for over 40 years and is a professor emerita at UC Berkeley. In the Bay Area, we've got three species of tree squirrels. The East Bay generally has the fox squirrel, which has kind of a orangish, you know, tawny fur. And then the peninsula and Marin have the eastern gray squirrel. But then they also have the native western gray squirrel. So the western gray squirrel is native to this area, but the other two, the fox squirrel and the eastern gray, are not native. Then, of course, we get to ground squirrels, which there are lots of types of, but we might not think of them as squirrels per se. So chipmunks, prairie dogs, marmots, those are all ground squirrels. Around here, you'll likely see the California ground squirrel, and they live in colonies and build networks of burrows underground. Okay, a listener named Heather Young says she's heard squirrels often called rodents with tails. Uh, I mentioned earlier my husband calls them rats with tails. Is that characterization fair? And how closely related to rats are squirrels? Well, squirrels are in the rodentia order. So in a way, they're cousins to rats and are often considered pests that carry disease. Oh. It's amazing how like a little fur and like some cute eyes uh, goes a long way. <laughs> really, it does. All right, moving on. We got a whole bunch of questions about the daily life of squirrels. You know, we often see them out there doing their squirrel thing all alone, but sometimes you'll see some of them hanging together. What is the social life of a squirrel like? Well, a pretty adorable fact is that squirrels do seem to be somewhat social, the eastern gray squirrel in particular. They share nests sometimes to stay warm and seem to sort of at least know one another, although Lucia says we're not sure how they choose their nest mates and they need to do more research. What about when you see like three or four squirrels chasing each other all over the place? What are they doing? Well, if they're babies, they might actually be playing. But if they look more mature, it's probably a mating chase. Ooh. You know, females come into heat just twice a year and the males come in from all over and then the female leads them on this big chase. That's her way of deciding who she's going to, you know, grace with her genetic maturity. 
One thing I've always wondered about is where squirrels sleep, because I've never personally caught one snoozing. And it turns out they collect green leaves and make these huge nests high up in the branches of trees, away from predators. They line their nests with chewed up bark to make them nice and cozy, and they can live in them even when it's really cold. These leaf nests are also where their babies are born and raised. They're not independent really till they're like 13, 14 weeks old. So they're they're like a couple of months in the nest and then they're sticking around the nest and they have so much to learn. They have to learn how to open nuts. They have to learn how to cache, how to move in the trees. Watching squirrels move through trees is probably what I find most compelling about them. It is some serious parkour. It's amazing seeing them up on the wires and just speeding by. My dad, when he sees them on the telephone wire, will often sing like a circus song. That's how it feels. <laughs> All right. So when we see a squirrel in a yard or a park, a lot of what they're doing is actually finding and burying nuts for winter. And many of the questions that listeners send us are about sort of the nuts and bolts of Aww. this process, if you will. Uh, Sean Maldi wants to know if squirrels remember all the places that they've buried something. That's exactly the type of question Lucia gets fired up about because she's been studying this squirrel behavior for years. She warned that it's really hard to control for all the variables that exist in the wild, of course. But studies of squirrels and captivity showed they found twice as many nuts that they had buried as compared to nuts another squirrel had buried. So that indicates that, yes, they do remember where they buried those nuts. They treat different types of nuts differently depending on how much they value them. My graduate student at the time, Stephanie Preston, showed that they actually shake the nut in their mouth to estimate the mass of the nut and depending on how heavy it is, they will carry it farther away from the competition. Wow. So they're making an economic decision about the value of the nut based on its mass, as they can kind of guess as holding it in their mouth. <laughs> that is fascinating. And I take it they like big nuts. They like big nuts. Okay. And does the type of nut make a difference? My other graduate student, Michael Delgado, showed the better the nut, the more time they spend. Even if you give them a random series of nuts, they will organize them as they're caching them. And so at the end of the, the day, they've got the almonds over here and the walnuts over there and the peanuts over there. In addition to this orderly system, they also use some stealth tactics to protect their best nuts. They bury them at a specific density. So like the distance from one almond to the next is different than the distance from one walnut to the next. Because a, a walnut's a much bigger, more valuable nut. And so you don't want to lose that. So what they do is they bury the walnuts more spread out so that if one squirrel finds one of their walnuts, they're not going to immediately find their other walnuts. We also heard from a lot of dog owners when we asked for your questions about squirrels, like this one. Hi, Bay Curious. This is April Whitney from Vallejo. My dog goes ballistic every time he sees a squirrel on my fence. Why do they return every day rather than just avoid my yard? Uh, are they gluttons for punishment or do they just love to create chaos? A question I too have had 
The expert, Lucia, says studies of other animals have shown that that they will approach a predator when that predator isn't hungry, just to sort of study the predator. And it's possible squirrels are doing that with dogs, but also... Animals have a great sense of humor. I wouldn't put it past a squirrel to be teasing it. So sounds like a yes, that squirrel may just be messing with your dog for the fun of it. Yeah, absolutely. For the squirrel detractors out there, one key complaint is that they eat the bird seed that you're leaving out for songbirds or whatever other birds you're trying to attract to your yard. If this is a problem for you, they actually make bird seed that's covered in red chili pepper. That could help. Birds don't have the taste receptors. The birds don't care. And the squirrels definitely do. And if squirrels are planting nuts in your flower pots and then digging up your flowers when they come back... Lucia recommends sprinkling some cayenne pepper on the soil. Ooh, spicy. Any other fun factoids that Lucia shared that kind of grabbed you? Well, we haven't talked about squirrel tails yet and why they're so fluffy. I know listener Alice Hong wanted to know more about that. Lucia says squirrels use their tails for all kinds of things. Insulation to keep them warm in the nest. You know, you see their little tail wrapped around their body. Balance as they're jumping all through the power lines. But also, they show emotion with their tails, kind of like cats. When you gave them a problem to solve that it was very easy to solve, and then you suddenly made it impossible, they would get very frustrated, and you would see them changing their tail movements. They also use it as a social signal. All right. Well, I now know more about squirrels than I ever thought I would know, maybe more than I ever wanted to know. (laughs) Thank you so much for bringing us all this great information, Angela. It was really my pleasure. I feel like I understand Carla a little better now. Angela Corral is the senior editor of KQED's California Report. That's it for our Squirrel Mania episode. Almost, anyway. A few years ago, we did have a short piece about the black squirrels that you might see roaming around, especially on the Stanford campus. Stick around after the credits and we'll play that story. And you can then keep listening even further for our monthly podcast trivia game, too. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco by member-supported KQED. Our show is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Christopher Beal, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the whole KQED family. Now we bring in reporter Ryan Levy, who answered this question about black squirrels for Bay Curious some years ago. The question came from listener Ayal Sedone. He was at Stanford getting his PhD in electrical engineering. I was walking with my girlfriend and she told me that apparently the black squirrels in Stanford are actually a Stanford genetic experiment gun amok and that they don't exist anywhere outside of Stanford. I've seen those black squirrels and I think I definitely did a double take the first time I saw one. Me too. And so I called up Cheryl Green. She's a veterinarian and a professor at Stanford School of Medicine. And she says they get calls all the time about this myth. But it's just not true. The truth really is that The black squirrel is a squirrel that is produced when these eastern gray squirrels who carry a normal gene mutation mate and their offspring grow a black coat. So we can think of the black squirrels kind of like the redheads of the squirrel world. 
if both parents have the Blackford gene, they can pass it on to their little ones. Exactly. And they're not just in Palo Alto or even just in California. Green says they've been seen on the East Coast since the 1700s, and they didn't show up out here until the turn of the 20th century. Okay, but that doesn't really explain why there are so many of them on Stanford's campus. Right. And so I asked Cheryl Green about this, and she said there's no hard scientific evidence or data about why there are so many out here. But anecdotally, it seems like the black fur could be an evolutionary advantage. Uh, It helps them stay warmer. Um, Some folks have said that the black squirrels are more aggressive and they have fewer predators than their non-black brethren. And also, it seems like the black fur might stand out a little better against our gray streets, meaning that the black squirrels are less likely to show up as roadkill. Oh, that's dark. Yeah, it is. Um, But I took the answer back to our question asker, Eyal, and he said in this case, he actually kind of likes the fiction a bit more than the fact. I think I will stick with the urban legend one. It's a bit better. (laughs) Even though you know the real answer, you're going to stick with the urban legend? That's a good story, you know? Why ruin a good story? Hi, Big Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's Trivia Game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.